into the party wagon and hold on to your pizza. Hey everyone, welcome to Epic Tales from the Sewers, the podcast all about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics. Uh, today I have a very special guest. I just wanted to uh, put a little prelim recording on here and just say this interview takes place a couple weeks back and it is uh, myself with Mr. Kevin Eastman. I'm going to ask him a couple questions. Uh, we're going to reference a couple things that you may not know if you're a listener. There is a Facebook group that I moderate called the epic shells facebook and um last year kevin was nice enough to um judge our costume contest so i'm going to mention that in this if you're not familiar with it please uh check us out on facebook epic shells you can find us there it's a great and positive community for uh turtle fans alike so um without further ado we're going to be listening to the interview that i have which is roughly about 13 minutes with uh, mr kevin eastman followed by epic tales from the sewers recap of last ronin issue number three which is going to be a uh sort of a voiced um pair uh paraphrasing of the uh the issue i don't recreate the entire issue but I, I do go through and do the voices for all that so i hope that you're enjoying it anyone who's a first time listener enjoy uh, you can check us out epic tales from the sewers at gmail.com you can check out the epic shells facebook group or you can check out any of the other episodes on the dorkening network for the Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Here we go. Hi, Justin. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Kevin? Good. Happy Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed, huh? Yes. So um, thank you so much on, on behalf of uh, my show, Epic Tales from the Sewers, and uh, the Epic Shells Facebook group. Um, you were you were kind enough to uh, do our Halloween costume uh, uh, judging this past year. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolute pleasure and great to be back with you because we, we, you know, I love that, uh, um, you know, there's, we always try to set aside, you know, we always want to make time for um, podcasts and interviews and keep in touch with the fans as best we can because our schedules, you know, between uh, dogs and cats and kids and work is like, you know, so, uh, but listen, I know we only have a limited amount of time, so I don't want to um, love to chat with you all day, as you know, um, but let's jump right in. So we Sure. Uh, a couple questions for you. Um, first one, um, you've probably heard this before, but, you know, there's four original Turtles, and then there was supposed to be the fifth, Kirby. Then we got Slash, yeah. Mona Lisa, Jenica, and now Lita, who I love, by the way. Um, what was the story with Kirby, and how come we haven't seen Kirby yet, or ever? Uh, no, that's a, that's a great question, because it, it was actually, um, Kirby was originally developed for a, um, uh, a fourth New Line Cinema movie concept, um, and it was to be, um, you know, in, in homage to our, our hero, Jack Kirby, obviously the name Kirby. But um, we wanted to bring another turtle in the, into the universe and have it be um, disruptive and, and then, you know, lost and, you know, looking for a family and never had a family and, and, and so much of that. So we had him sort of washed further down the sewer after being exposed to the mutagen and that. Kind of oh, stuff. so like five um, in the bowl. Okay. Yeah. Like five in the bowl kind of stuff. And it was a, it was a really neat concept for a film. I, I thought, um, um, but it just didn't, it just didn't go forward. Um, and we, you know, when we then went over to, um, uh, when it stopped being a film, we shopped it to um, uh, Saban, um, Saban approached us and they wanted to do a, a, a TV series and um, including the fifth turtle, and we mentioned Kirby, and it had been developed for um, uh, a lot of the earlier development was including a fifth turtle named Kirby as part of the storyline. And then at the last minute, it was um, Margaret Loesch, uh, Lesh um, 
really felt we needed another strong female character. So she, you know, we switched it over to Venus um, as a concept. And um, um, I, I, I liked it. Peter didn't care for it. Um, and uh, ultimately the fans didn't either, <laughs> um, which <laughs> I think it was just the, the, the timeliness and the way that the whole um, storyline came about, which was um, just so much more exciting when um, um, uh, Jenica came into the mix and, and now has been accepted in the Troll universe and, and uh, the way that she has, because we really loved her as a character and love her. Oh, she's as a awesome. Lita, which you mentioned, which we really adore. So. She, she's so cool. I, I was lucky to have uh, Mr. Brom Ravel on to talk about um, Jenica. We love Jenica. So. He's, he, and Brom is just, he's one of those artists that's like a, I don't know. I feel like he's an artist. Artist. I just. I adore. <laughs> I think he's just. It's so good. <laughs> I think he's so fantastic, and he's just clever in his story writing. When he did the first, uh, you know, Jenica, you know, backup story in, in the in the Turtle Universe, I was like, "Who is this guy? He's great." We, you know, we'd seen his work before, but it's like, holy smokes, what a what a talent! What a talent! Uh, my next question for you is about costumes. So uh, the turtles, they start out with their original costumes, which are the bandanas and the knee pads and all that. Um, the first time that I recall seeing new costumes was the uh, Turtles Adventures number seven, Intergalactic Wrestling. Was there a plan to keep those costumes? I really liked some of the, like the, the Raph, obviously that was a great costume. The Leo costume is a favorite of mine. Absolutely. What was the plan to like change them in the Mirage comics? It was, you know, Peter and I, and actually I, I go back to some of the, um, uh, like I did a, um, I, I produced a book many, many years ago called the, you know, Kevin Eastman's Art Biography that covered a lot of turtle, turtle history. But um, between concept that we developed and never utilized through the Mirage universe to things that we developed and, and never fully utilized or continued with out of the, uh, the role-playing game universe, there was a lot of, I, I felt that, change was good i thought it'd be interesting to do that um but it just got to be um you can't deny that fans really wanted to see just each turtle with their weapon and that was that was kind of it and, and, and if we if we pushed them too far this way and that way we got a we got a little pushback but it was at the same time uh, we always try to think you know story first and then hopefully um they'll, they'll come along for the ride that makes sense um, so how about this one? Um, with the last Ronin, there's a big theme of legacy in that. You know, you, you've got Oroko um, Hiroto, you've got the uh, Hamato clan, you've got Karai um, and uh, April and Casey Marie Jones. One thing I don't recall ever seeing, are the turtles capable of having children? I've never, I don't think that I've run into this. You know, it's something that we, you know, it's, it's um, one of those sort of... Um... I don't want to say it's a, you know, in, in, in superhero comics, the kind of generic sort of um, relationships that we've seen that I grew up on in superhero comics, it was sort of, there was attraction, there was romance, you know, Peter Parker and, um, you know, uh, <laughs> and you know, there was always something there, but it just never, it was sort of secondary and way, way off to the side. And we never addressed that as uh, the mutant characters, um, because they were singular sort of mutant characters. There was not mm -hmm. a lot of um, mutants, at least early on. And so we, it was just one of those elements, story elements that we didn't feel 
we needed to address um, really and, and sort of shied away from, you know, the, the kinds of stories we wanted to tell. But, you know, luckily times have changed and, you know, we see things like what Sophie Campbell's doing with the new series. Yeah. Um, with the characters that she's bringing in, the relationship aspects um, is really to me, it's, 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 it's very, um, it's very exciting. And, uh, um, um, you know, I just, uh, I adore the possibilities of, of where that can go and what can come sort of come out of it because i agree it's it's so it's so refreshing because you know how many times can you watch like i mean and my answer is going to be every time but how many times can you watch the turtles fight the shredder and krang and all that it's like all right if you really want to just relive that over and over again maybe play the video game you know and and i could it's just it's interesting to see it's like oh there's a battle of the bands and instead of fighting bebop and rocksteady they're you know having a, a battle of the bands i'm like this is so refreshing i love it Cool. Yeah, it is. It's really to me that's what's been so fascinating about the whole, you know, my coming back to the turtles in a in a big way with the with the start of the I call it the IDW TMNT universe and working with the incredible Tom Moss and Bobby Kernow and so many fantastic artists over the last you know now it's coming up on 120 issues um, and it's just one of those um, things that when you think every possible idea. It's storyline and concept has been tapped out. Um, this fresh young talent brings such uh, energy and such thought and such passion um, to the stories that it really is. It's completely energizing, and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, um, it, it, it sort of makes an old guy like me, you know, excited and, and, and you know, I just still get up and draw comics every day, and I love it. Yeah, and I'm actually just looking at like three of the covers from here. I've got 117, 118, and 119. And uh, my local comic store knows to pull the Eastman covers for me specifically. So <laughs> I always get those. So that's pretty fun. Um, I, I do have another question for you, just uh, one about voices and all that. Um, sure. When you, because on, on the show, I do character voices. So I do, I do the voice of Raph and Donnie and Leo and Mikey and Splinter and all them. So my April's not great, but hey. Um, <laughs> I, I was wondering with all the great talent that has touched, you know, the turtles, you, you've got, um, you know, some, some really good voices there. Who has come the closest to your version in your head of these, uh, of these uh, characters? And it doesn't necessarily mean who's the best or who's your favorite, but maybe who do you think of when you read? Like if you, if you're reading a Batman story, maybe you hear Kevin Conroy and, and uh, Mark Hamill doing Joker, who, who would you hear doing like Donnie or Raph or like that? Well, that's a, that's, that's a really good question. Cause it's been, you know, we've been, um, um, so incredibly blessed with the talent, you know, from, you know, the original, you know, Townsend Coleman and Rob Paulson and Barry and uh, Cam, you know, they just, that was, those are the original voices that we didn't know what they'd sound like. We had the voices in our heads, but we didn't know what they'd sound like until those awesomely talented gentlemen put voices to them, um, you know, in all the characters in the original series. So that's, you know, very near and dear as you could imagine. Um, and you think of like, um, um, you know, other favorites, I guess it stands out if I had a, um, one of my recent favorites is, 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 uh, Greg Sipes. Yes. He's <laughs> so good as, as Mikey, you know, cause you know, having, you know, met the, met the man and, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have to do much acting to do Michelangelo cause he is Michelangelo. In real That's life. Awesome. <laughs> and I, I, I adore what he brings to the character. And I love that, um, they brought Rob, from the original series over um, to do Donnie and he does such a, such a great job. And then I was watching recently um, my good friend, Kevin Monroe, I, I, I talked to him and I love the 2007 um, turtle movie. And I'd forgotten that um, 
you know, Chris Evans did the voice of Casey and you had Sarah yes. Michelle Geller that had done April at that time. And, and so it, it's just great highlights. And I thought they did, you know, a fan, you know, set aside the celebrity name. They did a fantastic job um, on, on those. And, you know, but most importantly is uh, the actor who brought to life ice cream kitty, which to me is really. Uh, <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I had to put I, that in there. I, I love that movie, that 2007 movie. And um, I yeah. get as, as a huge Leonardo fan, I get why Raph had to win, but I just, I'm like, Leo put hands on Batman. I'm like, uh, you know, so I always hold out every time I watch, I'm like, he's going to get him this time. So <laughs> that's so great. Yeah. Um, I, I want to thank you so much. I don't know how much time we have left, but uh, thank you so much for coming on. You know, it's, um, it's just a nice little show where we like to tell people about the comics. I like to do a read through and we're trying to get kids interested. So it's a, it's a family friendly show, except for the episode with Noray Davis. That was not a family friendly show. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a, he's a, he's a nut. I love him. Oh, he's, he's great. But it's just, it was just kind of a funny thing that, you know, uh, when somebody bases a whole, you know, like comedy special or just what, you know, around, you know, his love and passion for turtles to me, I just thought it was, you know, a lot of inside humor, but I think it was uh, also just, yeah, it was pretty, it was, it was uh, pretty he's, cool. he's fantastic. And I'll, I'll probably send him something after this. Cause he, he was, it's so funny because even he, like when he was talking to us, he's like, man, I was freaking out when I met Kevin and all that. <laughs> <laughs> so excited. He didn't seem like he was just like, he's such a great little kid, you know, and I say little kid because, you know, I'm 60. So everybody younger than me is a kid. Um, but I, you know, I met him at a convention initially and just, you know, he was just, just, just an awesome person, awesome fan. And, and, you know, I have the, the greatest job ever cause I have the greatest fans ever. So I'm, I'm so pretty, pretty, pretty blessed. And he was just another one of those guys. I was like, wow, this is, you know, I'm lucky. I'm just lucky, lucky, lucky. That's great. Cause we, we have, uh, we've got some great fans over in uh, Epic Shell's Facebook group. And, uh, again, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. My pleasure. And definitely, it's like, you know, like I said, Courtney uh, it does such a great job at sort of keeping uh, in touch with people that do these kind of um, programming. And, and we like to keep in touch with the fans. It's a way to reach out and and, uh, and keep that um, personal feeling, certainly um, as we're building back towards getting to conventions again, which is we're excited. And she is a, she is a member of the group. Uh, we, we do something every month where we have the most radical member. Uh, two months ago, Mr. AC Farley won, which was pretty exciting. Love Craig. He's just yeah, fantastic artist. We've got several of his paintings hanging in our house. Which uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I I was so overjoyed the fact that I got to I got to speak with someone who I just adored their art from such a young age. I'm like wow. I remember this in 1990, so it was pretty cool. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, he's, a, he's he's great. I you know you just reminded me. I need to send him a note and say check in and see how he's doing because uh, he's he's uh, he's very near and dear to the turtles' uh, history. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And um, uh, again, I'll thank you. I want to be respectful of your time. So uh, thank you again, Mr. Kevin Eastman. Pleasure talking to you. Have a great day and uh, let's do this again.
The Last Ronin, Issue Number 3. Story by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and Tom Waltz. Script by Tom Waltz and Kevin Eastman. Layouts by Kevin Eastman, with pencils by Asao and Isaac Escarosa, Ben Bishop, and Kevin Eastman. We start out, it is called Last Ronin Part 3, Fight or Flight. In the past, then... And so we mark another critical milestone in the long, venerated history of the Foot Clan, says the old sensei as he looks down as a man, looks down upon two swords. He's surrounded on each side by three men. On the occasion of the 16th year of his life, and his manifest duty is the sole heir to the throne, we have gathered to raise up the grandson to Oroko Saki and son to Oroko Karai. Oroko Hiroto, do you swear now unto death your fealty to the Foot Clan? Do you become master you were born to be? The man bends down and bows towards the sword that's before him. Yes, I swear my undying loyalty to all here, the most decorated generals, and to all who serve under you with great honor and humility, as he unsheaths a sword. I rise! He raises it up to the up to the sky as we see him then standing in front of all of the men as he sheaths his sword. It has been ten years since my beloved mother and our former master, Oroko Karai, was critically injured in her battle with the mutants of the Hamato clan. She has remained comatose since that fateful day, unable to lead our forces in resulting blood bloody and costly war. As was my destiny, I studied and trained for this moment when my birthright I could continue to build upon her and my grandfather's honorable legacy. General Oyama, I am prepared to issue my first command as your new liege. We are prepared to obey, Master Hiroto. Good. Send a formal invitation for parley to the Hamato clan leadership. To those here in Japan and to Splinter in New York City, this war has gone on far too long, and it comes to speak of peace. As he closes the sword in the scabbard. That was then. This is now. We see Oroko Hiroto, with two red lines painted over his eyes in a kimono that has some tiger stripes on it. It is all white with red on it. He's walking around a lab, and he reminisces as he looks at that very sword. We are ready for you now, Master Hiroto. Very well. Pay careful attention, Mother, as he looks above a hyperbaric chamber that seems to hold his mother's body almost lifeless and comatose. Time to remain this city. Remind this city who is its master. I want this broadcast in every part of the city. No exceptions. Let us begin. As we see this, he appears as a giant shrouded figure in this cape and cowl that he has, and he is now on a broadcast throughout the city, and we see a giant blue hologram over the city where everybody can see it. There are people who are looking as it appears over Times Square, and then you can see that there's uh, lots of robots that kind of come out from here. What he's doing is he is issuing martial law. Denizens of New York, my people, my city, for nearly two decades I have kept you safe, protected, allowed you to prosper at will. My will. I alone decide your fate. So hear me now, heed what I have to say. There is a monster in our midst. The creature, this assassin, cowardly attacked this sacred ground with one terroristic mission in mind, to tear down all that I have built and to kill me. The treasonous affront is unacceptable, unfathomable, and unforgivable. Any crime against me is punishable by death. We can see the Ronin's picture is plastered everywhere around the city. 
No stone will be left unturned until this beast is captured, and I will personally execute final justice. Tonight, and until further notice, the entire city will be under martial law. Obey my soldiers, return to your home and await orders, and know this, anyone foolish enough to harbor this terrorist insurgent will not suffer his fate. No, yours will be far worse. Your master has spoken. And with that, it goes back and, and disappears. Cyborgs start to uh, blast the uh, citizens of New York with uh, hoses to get them under their control to send them back. We see Casey's gang, who is kind of just trying to figure out what's going on from an alley. Man, this got bad real fast. Yeah, they've got communications jammed. We need to get Jones ASAP. Forward to the sewer, where we see the Ronin, who's looking through his journal. We see on it, it says, no peace, and that's the last entry. Gotta admit, Casey Marie's pretty damn impressive. Book smart and street smart, says Donnie. Tough, too. But she's crazy if she thinks she's gonna help fight Haroto, says Leo. Ain't that right, Mike? Huh? What? Says the Ronin. It seems that he's still hallucinating for his brothers. I mean, yeah, right. She's just a child. Good call. She can't be more than 17 years old. 16 and already tangling with the Foot Clan. Sound familiar? He says. Apples to oranges, Mikey. We trained her entire lives. And she ain't a mutant, bro. She's just a kid. Casey, Casey and April's kid. And we were Splinter's kids. And Karai, Shredder's. And Hiroto, hers. And here we are, all back to us at square one. In the dark. We see that, uh, that the Ronin is just holding on to one of the sides, just kind of fingering it and trying to figure out what to do. And he's just uh, interrupted by Casey Marie Jones. Whoa, easy. This is just wondering if there's some kind of ninja thing that I should know about. Talking to yourself in the dark? No, it's not. And it takes way more than sneaking up on somebody to make you one. Sorry, I wasn't trying to be sneaky. The door's always open and you seemed, uh... Never mind, kind of sorry. Anyway, Mom wants to see you. I'm headed topside to check out with my crew. I don't think that's a good idea, Casey. <laughs> you are the funny one. I wasn't asking for your permission. That was not what I... I was just... Watch your back up there, okay? Ronan says to to Casey. Sure, good plan. I'll keep working on my ninja skills while I'm at it. Straight ahead and to the left. Mom's in her lab, says Casey as she leaves. Kid thinks she knows everything, Ronan thinks. Hmm, smart-ass stubborn little, he actually says out loud. She's way too damn young to be that old. <sighs> Same as it ever was. April, Casey said you wanted to see... me? He looks surprised as he turns the corner, and he can see there's a head of a robot, looks like the Fugitoid, up on something as April says, Hey, come on in. F-f-fugitoid? Yep, that's all that's left of him anyway. Holy crap, you gotta stop doing this to me, he says to her. Sorry, I was hoping to ease you back into everything, but these are about to get crazy around here. About to? I think it's time that we get busy with the catching up you keep talking about, April. Yeah, me too. You see that this is a picture of Ronan who's just standing there looking at the back of Future Toy's head as April's there right behind her. And we see all systems cross-checked. We hear the Future Toy say, this is a past flashback. And you are ready for flight. You will have to remain radio silent the entire trip in order to avoid detection. This will be sure to disable the cloak as soon as you're over the ocean to preserve electrical charge. It's a long flight, Donatello, and to expending your fuel cells without backup source of power. We'll make it even longer swim. Gotcha, Professor Honeycutt. That was a joke, by the way. 
And very funny, I might add. Remember, all strikers cannot prepare to be in aggressive posture in New York while we are simultaneously engaged in peace talks with the Foot Clan in Japan. Understood, but I also remember what happened last time the Foot called for a truce, Master Splinter, says Leonardo. Do you think that it's a legit Hiroto's parlay? I don't think he's an Oroko. They all lie. In the past, yes, but as an Oroko, Hiroto has also lost much in this war, just as we have. Perhaps the young master tires of the senseless bloodshed as well, says Splinter. Maybe time has come to take one last final close on the book of this view, and his predecessors honored many ancient traditions, regardless of our clan's long-standing enmity. Itetsu's Oroko Hiroto is respectfully asking, so I am willing to try to reach peaceful understanding. We can only hope his intentions are pure, my sons, but we will not let our guard down either, he says to Donatello as he takes off in his ship. Be strong, we will see you all again soon. Splinter and Donatello take off in a cloaked spaceship, leaving Leonardo and Casey and uh, the Fugitoid there. They're leaving. Ready the strike, team. No more hiding behind your little mutant friends, Honeycut, says Baxter Stockman. We see some soldiers that are hanging out on the street on the corner of Bleecker and Cellar. Street 3, one top one. Need some eyes on that big rig snuggled up in the construction site a few days ago. Looks like we've got some company in the last few hours. I think they're public works trucks, but I'm not seeing any workers. Shh, Roger. Eyes on opening the channel to the whole team for additional tracking. Shh, copy that. Grab some backup. We can see that it looks like this is sort of a neighborhood watch, and they're looking out for uh, ninjas here. As they are kind of calling out signs, we can see that the ninjas are readying their bows and arrows to shoot at them. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> they take out all of them one time, so the ninjas have already started striking. Heads up, we've got movement on. Ah! <laughs> More arrows come in. We're under attack! As the arrows fly. Idiots! Less than 30 seconds to compromise the entire mission, says Baxter. Captain Lee, require all the target and get the hell out of there. I'm sending in the prototypes to help you clumsy fools. Forward to Leo and Casey. What are we looking at? The alarm from the sewer defenses. We've got ninja coming in from all angles. Hmm. Damn. How do they find us? Listen up. Lock down all the outer doors and take your positions. I want every access port covered. Casey, what's your location? The hangar. Me and Mike grabbed April and Honeycutt as soon as we heard the alarms. We're getting ready to head with the, to, with the rest of you to the tech room. Mike, take point. Me and the strikers got a whole... Holy hell! <sighs> Looks like there's a big explosion and some sewer water goes everywhere. Casey, I'm good, Leo. Looks like April is trying to get away with Honeycutt and Mikey. We've got bogeys blasting all through the bay doors and rooftop access ports. We're going underground. Negative. Sewer levels are breached, too. Pull back to the main compound as soon as you can and find a safe room, says Leo. Copy that. We're at the back of the shop now. We'll get everyone secured and then head your way for some strikers. The faster the better, Casey. We've in, We've got a second wave coming in. I've never seen these foot before. They look like heavily armored and... Just as that moment, Leonardo looks up as four ninjas crash to the skylight. Damn it! Casey, how about that backup? Hurry! Nasty looking buggers. Yeah, I told you guys the Foot Clan are nothing but liars, says Michelangelo. I hear you, Mike. First thing first, bro. Let me get my wife and Honeycut to safety. 
then we'll see what these wimps got. Ugh. As we see Leonardo, who's cutting his way through these uh, foot soldiers, these armored foot soldiers, and he's actually pretty bloody right now. We can't tell if it's his blood or if it's the blood of the foot soldiers. Just as some more, looks like robotic ones, or cybernetics, smash through the wall. Come on, safe room's this way. We'll be fine if we hurry. But Casey and Leo, says April. This is Stockman's doing. He's found a way to track me, says Honeycutt. You two, topside. Nobody passes. Roger. Watch your six. They're coming in everywhere, says Casey. <sighs> Robotic foot soldier blasts through the wall. They're coming. Oh, my. Whoa. Ah. Knocks down Mikey and, and April. What the hell are those things? They can't be human, says Leo. Let's find out, says Casey. Casey jumps off on them from the top level down some stairs to try and fight them with his sporting equipment. One is a hockey stick and the other one is a baseball bat. The class is Pain 101 and your instructor is Casey No! Goongala! Goongala! Target acquired. This is Stockman. Bring him to me. Wait! Oh no you don't, says Mikey as Mikey ends up beheading one of them with a strike of his nunchaku. Ah! Imbeciles! Send in the Mousers now, all of them, says Stockman as he monitors the situation. I want that fugitoid! The Mausers go in, but these are different Mausers. They actually fly, and they look like footballs with just Mauser mouths and a whole bunch of red eye sensors on them. They're coming out of the side of a truck, and they seem to be coming out in droves. Hockey ain't your thing, huh? Let's try cricket instead! As he says to the robot, the robot knocks him down with a robotic punch of a whoop, and down goes Casey. Smashes into the back of some boxes and goes, Holy crap, Terminators! Just what the doctor ordered. As he picks up a sledgehammer, and he's going to go take and take this straight to them. April, are you okay? Get Honeycutt inside and lock it down, says Mikey, as he's trying to take off the head of yet another of these uh, cybernetic cybernetic foot soldiers. I'm good, Mikey, but the professor's in bad shape. There's a lot of debris jamming the door. Do what you can. I'll hold him off, says Michelangelo. <laughs> says the sledgehammer, actually, as, as Casey smashes the head off of one of them. That's what I'm talking about. Legendary. I'm going to call you the ledge. All right, Leonidas. What's the plan? That's a reference to the 300 Battle of Thimolopoli, where there's 300 Greeks that stand against the entire invading force of, uh, of Prince Xerxes. So on this, we have Leonardo standing next to Casey as they look onto insurmountable odds. Just a near, near endless amount of these flying robotic mousers and these cybernetic uh, soldiers. These two have fought well, but they know pretty much that their time is done if they can't get some sort of plan. That's something you don't see every day. Mike, we'll stall these things as long as we can. Get everyone in clear and get word to Donnie and Sensei. Frickin' robot wimps, says Casey as he fixes his mask back on his bloody face. We'll follow behind as soon as we're done. But do it, Mikey. We got this. No! Wait, Professor, says April. Your turn to bite a pizza when we're through. Yep. But I pick the toppings. Ham, pineapple, and jalapeno, says Leo. What is wrong with you, says Casey. I know it's me you've come for, Stockman. I'll self-destruct before I let you hurt my friends or imprison me again. You shall not pass. Very well. If I can't have you, no one will. And with that, we see all of the Mousers looks, start looking like spiders with their legs coming out, and they all start blinking red. And then all of a sudden, a giant explosion. Badoom! And the building, everything blows out the windows, there's debris everywhere, and a giant explosion from the top. And the next panel, all that we see is hanging from what looks like a, a brick chimney, Casey's mask, and Leonardo's sword on the ground, in the corner of Bleecker. 
back to present day. Casey Marie Jones comes out of the subway. What the holy hell? Subway's not running. Total power blackout. Everyone's panicking. I knew Hirota was nuts, but this is beyond insane. Just hope the crew made it to the park okay. Out of my way! Move! Yo, Casey! Thank God. Guys, what the hell? Martial law. Yeah, full crackdown. This could bring down the whole damn resistance. Hope your mutant was worth it, Jones. He ain't my mutant breaker, and yeah, this is bad, but no point freaking out. We need to get the word out that there's others somehow, and just let them know that we're ready. For what? I'm working on that, so chill. Everything's gonna be okay. I hope, she says to herself. You were saying, Jones? Everyone underground! Halt! Stop and be identified! Scrape, you and Crutch take out those guards. Copy. Everyone else, over the top! Ah! Scrape and Crutch uh, apparently take out the guards pretty deftly. So they're unarmed and they actually go in there and just take out the uh, cybernetic police spots. We gotta split up. Use these tunnels to cover more ground. Me and uh, Luggle go east. I'll take Crutch with me past the park. And I'll head west. We'll use the old telecom lines together. Everyone else when we were all secure. We'll, let's shoot to meet in the lair in an hour. In the meantime, whatever you do, stay underground and watch your backs, says Jones. Down in the sewers, we see that she's alone. Damn, do we even have an hour? Gotta get to the lair and warn Mom. Too many twists and turns down here. Might not make it in time. Told the guys to stick to the sewers to stay underground. Gotta have to break my own rules. As she goes up and she comes out of a manhole. Halt! Crap! Scan and stand and be identified. Help someone! She sees that there's one of these uh, foot ninjas, the robotic ones, that's uh, attacking a woman who's on the ground. Help someone! Foot bastard! Identify this! As she jump kicks him right in the face, knocking him down. I'll handle this run! But you'll be killed! Nah, I ain't the one who's got to worry about. As she blocks his strike with his baton. Halt! Says the RoboCop ripoff. Hiya! As she as she falls to her back and kicks him over, and then kicks him to the ground with a crunch, crushes his windpipe. Halt! Damn it! I don't got time for this crap. And we can see now that uh, Casey has uh, saved a whole bunch of people from these, and she's trying to get everybody out of there. And it's kind of a, a throwback because she's on the corner of where that explosion was, on the corner of Bleecker and Sullivan Street, as she's above ground. We. Uh, flashback to the actually we don't flashback we just go to the um, to the lair where we see the Ronin is sitting in the lap with April I really gotta get back to mom says Casey Marie Jones ow seriously I just just hurry up I hate needles then stop squirming I only need a few more vials as she says to Mikey I get that you scientists can't help poking and prodding everything but I am gonna have Am I going to have any blood left after this? What are you, like five years old? This is barely any blood, says April. I need to see what your advanced mutation is doing to your body. But I can get you a lollipop when we're done after this if it helps. Whatever, just hurry up, says the Ronin, as they look over at the Fugitoid's head. So, how badly damaged is he? Is Honeycutt still in there? I... I don't know. I... I think so. I hope so, says April. It's really... I'm pretty sure Stockman found us the last time by hacking the security firewalls Fugitoid had developed to keep us hidden during the war. Reactivating him now would be like... Like blasting another come kill us signal to the bad guys. Well, come kill the rest of us, that is. As April holds up with her mechanical hand a uh, vial of black blood taken from the Ronin. 
people after the explosion. How? How? How'd I end up here? Didn't happen overnight, that's for sure. After the smoke cleared, a rescue team pulled me out of the rubble, and then they got me to the hospital. Now we, we see a big shift in the artwork. So with this artwork, we see that it changed to uh, Kevin Eastman from the uh, from the old school Ninja Turtle side style here. It said, when I woke up about a week later, only to find out that I'd lost my husband, my friends, my home, my arm, my leg, and yeah, surprise, I was pregnant. I ended up staying in the hospital for a long time. Lots of physical and mental therapy. We see that April's actually walking with her mechanical arm and mechanical leg, and she's doing some physical therapy. And we see next to her, she's um, doing some mental therapy. Honestly, didn't know which part was harder. Meanwhile, Hiroto and the Foot were taking control of New York. We can see a newscast, and it's telling us that, uh, As the work to complete the wall around the city to protect against rising water levels near its finish date, law enforcement has found itself embroiled in a quickly escalating war against organized crimes inside the city. When they finally discharged me, I had a shiny new arm, and a shiny leg, and a shiny new baby to go along with them. Things were getting really bad in the city, so I moved down into the lair. More like, hit us, but it was okay. We see that she's looking in the lair, it's a picture of Casey, April, and the Turtles. With the store destroyed and everyone gone, it was all that I had left to remind me of. Well, you know, as it switches back to the uh, regular art style. Okay, all done. How'd you get Fugitoid's head? Some of Leo and Casey's strike team who weren't killed in the battle recovered it. Yeah, where are those guys now? Most of them died fighting Hiroto's forces when he took over. The few that are left are commanding underground resistance units all over the part of this city. You know, Casey Marie told me about the training you did in Asia and Europe. But she didn't say how the hell you got the way all the way over here. In a fog, mostly. Last thing I remember clearly was trying to get you and the Fugitoid to safety, says the Ronin. As he shows back a, a switch to the Kevin Eastman style of, um, of art here. Except the damn explosion knocked me halfway across the neighborhood and all the way unconscious. Don't have any clue how long I was out. By the time I came to, the store was gone and I figured everyone with it. I just didn't think that there was any way anyone could have survived. And we see that some firefighters are actually putting out the blaze as Mikey looks on. And as he's wandering through the, uh, through the sewer... Not that I was thinking clearly about anything. It was kind of a haze for a while. All I know is that I found my way down to the sewer somehow, then to the lair. I tried calling Donnie to warn him and her father, but nothing. I was confused and desperate. All that I could think of was I had to save them. So I grabbed some things from the lair, weapons and other stuff, and stowed away in a plane to Japan as fast as I could. I was hoping to reach them in time, if I could just... Then it shifts back to the uh, regular story of now, with a regular art style. Didn't know what else to do. I know what you're thinking, but it's not your fault, Mikey. None of it, says April. The counselors I worked with, they call it survivor's guilt, and I had plenty of it after the explosion. It, it took a while, lots of therapy and lots of tears, but finally I realized that there was nothing that I could have done to change the things that have happened. But that doesn't mean I have to accept what's happening now. None of us do as we focus on the Ronin's face. I think you know how to beat Hiroto, she says to him. Then you need to show us right now, Mom. As they're both surprised by the gang and uh, Casey Marie Jones. Because all hell's breaking loose at rock bottom into a scene where uh, the top of a skyscraper where a hooded figure crouches. He's barefoot. And he's wearing a purple cape. And uh, the rain is coming down hard as he's uh, up on this slippery part. 
Look down there, the tiny little insects begging to be crushed, obviously to the giant who towers above them, to me. I am the one they owe their entire pathetic existence to. I am the one who gives them all they need. I am the one who could crush them without a second thought. And yet, they act like children, spoiled, entitled children. This figure is Hiroko Hiroto. I give them orders and still they whine and protest. And I have been far too indulgent. The fools, they forget who rules all here, whose very will could bring it all crashing down with a single word. I am their god incarnate, god made flesh. Flesh and blood, I am their master, I alone. <sighs> Lightning crashes behind him. All alone, you left me. Mother, left me in charge of the Empire. And before that, a small boy, your only son. Why? As he rushes to console himself, he runs on the slippery metal as um, the rain continues to come down with lightning striking behind him. Ha ha ha! Because you knew what I could do. You knew what I was capable of, Mother. And you, Orokosaki, Grandfather, Shredder, uh, see me now, don't you? I am all you aspired to be and more. Your heir, but you're better. Oh, what does it matter? You're dead, 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 and I live! Flesh of your flesh, blood of your blood, left behind to find my own way, my own path. From your failure, I will rise. As he trips and loses his footing, the greatest triumph, <laughs> as he falls down into the city, just, um, he clutches on, just in the nick of time, a, um, a wire, but the wire breaks. <laughs> I will not die today, left alone in the streets to rot. No, I will never again be forgotten, abandoned. I am God immortal. The angels will not allow it. As we see that he's falling, he's free-falling seemingly to his death as just uh, two pairs of mechanical legs that look like um, possibly to like some sort of uh, bird come to catch him. You're crazy. As it switches back to the Ronin now with uh, the gang in the sewer layer in April's lab as he talks to April, to April and Casey. I mean, I get the concept, April, but come on. It's like a billion shot to one. More like our only shot, Mikey, with way too many variables, too. Many moving parts, too many lives lost. So, correct me if I'm wrong, Baxter Stockman's got his own headquarters fortress, whatever, and we need to attack it and shut him down before we can take out Hiroto, and our only shot is to try and activate Honeycut during the attack, and if he wakes up, maybe he'll tell us to knock out, maybe he'll help us to knock out Baxter's tech. I'm sorry, I can't buy into this. Every plan, no matter the odds, has risks. You know that, says April. At least there's better odds than a hundred-year-old mutant attacking Hiroto directly. And like I said, we don't need your permission. This isn't about permission. This is about reality. Do you have a death wish or what? Look who's talking. And we were dying before we got here. You just made it worse. Enough, says April. Come with me, Mikey. There's something else you need to see. April, they're just kids. They need... They need to let me do my own thing. Oh, just humor me, okay? Fine, but it won't change my my mind. Look, I've run enough schematics on Honeycut over the years to know everything's still functional. He's just in stasis right now, to avoid detection. It's the same reason we run things as low-tech as we can do down here, because we know Stockman's always sniffing. Holy! I've been prepping for a long time, Mikey. Get ready for the one last fight for our freedom. We knew it was eventually coming waiting for the right moment when we could strike most effectively. 
I've been planning as she opens up an armory that seems to have all kinds of different vehicles in it. And we've been building. I think Donnie would approve, don't you? Yeah, but what is this? It's just... just a little something to help even the odds. The only thing I can say that this looks like is a cross between um, the Shell Razor and the Batman Begins sort of Batmobile, this kind of crazy looking tank thing. And uh, it does look like a turtle. So we can see this. The next issue, there's a preview. There's some blood in the snow with uh, Splinter's journal and Donatello's bow. And it says next issue. Thank you for joining me for this issue number three of The Last Room. It's pizza time. And now, in a segment that we call Pizza Time, where we discuss any Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle or pizza-related food, I give you Pizza Time. Today's recipe on Pizza Time is Mikey's Pizza Mayhem. Can't decide which meat topping to put on your pizza? Do what Michelangelo does and use all of them. This version is topped with sausage, ground beef, bacon, and pepperoni, but you can mix and match any cured and cooked meats you like. Ingredients. Cornmeal or flour for dusting. 2 teaspoons extra virgin olive oil, divided, plus, for brushing and greasing. 1 fourth pound sweet or hot Italian sausage, casing removed. 1 fourth pound ground beef. 2 slices thick cut bacon, chopped. 1 pound ball pizza dough, homemade, or you can use the recipe from pages 17 to 19, or store-bought. 1 half to 2 thirds cup of New York style pizza sauce, or use our pizza sauce recipe from the Ninja Turtles cookbook, page 23. One large clove of garlic, very thinly sliced. Three quarters cup shredded low moisture mozzarella cheese. Eight slices of pepperoni and a pinch of crushed red pepper flakes. Instructions. If you're using a baking stone or a steel pizza peel, place your baking stone in the middle of the rack and preheat the oven to 500 degrees Fahrenheit for at least 30 minutes. Then turn on the oven to broil. Dust a pizza peel or, in, or an inverted baking sheet with cornmeal or flour. If you're using a baking sheet, preheat the oven to 500 degrees Fahrenheit with a rack in the middle position. Lightly coat and heavily dust the rimmed baking sheet. Lightly coat a heavily rimmed baking sheet with olive oil. Step 1. Heat the teaspoon of oil in a medium skillet over medium heat. Crumble in the sausage and cook for 3 to 5 minutes or until brown, breaking it up with a wooden spoon. Transfer the sausage to a paper towel lined plate. 2. Wipe out the skillet and place it back over medium heat. Repeat step 1 with the ground beef. Step 3. Wipe out the skillet one more time and place it back over medium heat. Add the bacon and cook for about 5 minutes until the fat has rendered and the bacon just begins to crisp at the edges. Remove from the pan and remove from the heat and transfer the bacon to a paper towel lined plate. Step 4. Stretch or roll the dough into a 12 inch disc and place it on the prepared pizza peel or baking sheet. Step 5. Spread the sauce on the dough, leaving a half-inch border all around. Arrange the garlic slices on top of the sauce, followed by half the cheese, then the meats, and finally the remaining cheese. Brush the exposed dough with olive oil. Shimmy the dough from the peel to the hot baking stone or transfer to a baking sheet to the oven. Bake until the crust is golden and the cheese just begins to brown in spots. 6-8 to eight minutes in the baking stone, 10-15 to 15 minutes on the baking sheet. 
Remove the pizza from the oven and let cool for five minutes. Then sprinkle with red pepper flakes if using. Slice and serve, dudes. This has been your pizza time. Thank you for listening to the Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. This podcast has no affiliation with Eastman, Laird, IDW Studios, Nickelodeon Studios, Archie Comics, or any other Turtles properties. This podcast is a member of the Epic Sewers Podcast Network. Be sure to check out our other great shows, some turtle-related, some not. Thanks for listening. Epic Tales from the Sewers is recorded by Justin Cooper. Hey there, this is JB. And if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, at TalesFromThePodcast.com. Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream. (laughs) Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. We all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. (laughs) With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. <laughs> <laughs>